0: Heavenly Father, would you please open our hearts and minds and allow us to hear from your word those things that we need to hear? Lord, by your Spirit, would you transform us, uh, encourage us, and challenge us, uh, help us to be more like Christ? And it's in his name that we ask it. Amen. So, Saturday morning, we went to the Perot Museum and as we pulled up we're getting out and my 3 year old wanted to take his little uh, kitty it's it's about 2 inches tall uh, it's from the new pets movie little stuffed kitty and he wanted to take that kitty with him and being the good parents that we are and knowing that when children take little things with them into places like that they then lose them and we have to deal with them losing them later My wife said, you cannot take the kitty in. You can leave the kitty here, and as soon as you get back, you can get the kitty again. And then being the good three-year-old that my child was, he broke down like it was the end of the world because he could not take this kitty with him, crying and dragging his feet and wanting to be held. But it didn't stop in the parking garage or going across the street or going into the Perot. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Pro before, but it's awesome. I mean, there are four levels of things, like giant dinosaurs and machines that replicate earthquakes. You can race a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I mean, it is an amazing place. He enjoyed none of it, because all he cared about was this cat. And every time we'd come to something, buddy, look at that dinosaur, but I want my cat! Your cat's in the van, in the buddy. The dinosaurs while we're here. And everything we did, it was about the cat for over an hour. And then we got home. And within like 30 minutes, walk upstairs. This cat's just laying on the floor underneath the couch. He's totally ignoring the cat. For an hour or more, we fought with him over this cat And as soon as we get home, the cat is, eh, whatever. I've got other toys over here I'm going to go play with. That is an example of obsession. What are you obsessed with? Sports? I mean, do we have anybody from A&M here? We know you're obsessed. (laughs) We don't understand it, but we know you're obsessed. Sports, movies, reading, exercising, there's things that we just, that kind of drive us, and like my child, if I'm not getting that thing, it kind of interferes with everything else. I sometimes organize my life around making sure I can have whatever it is that I'm obsessed with. What he did for an hour and a half, some of us do it all the time. What are you obsessed with? Here's the thing about obsessions. I did not go to a and I do not understand the obsession with a and I know Chris McCampbell does not understand the obsession with a and because he did not go there. He went somewhere else. <laughs> and probably made a peace sign to uh, Trey that we don't always get one another's obsessions. But that makes sense, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of personal. That thing that you really, really want... Not everybody necessarily understands why you want it, but they have their own things. Paul, the Apostle Paul, has an obsession, but he wants us all to share it. He wants you to have his obsession. Open up your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to jump ahead for just a moment And I want you to look at verse 15. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. That's Paul saying, the thing that I'm talking about, that I am obsessed with right now, I want all you likewise. And, he goes on, and if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal that also to you. You're wrong. <laughs> if you don't think like I do, if you're not obsessed in the way that I'm obsessed, well, God will deal with that in you. Only, he says, let us hold true to what we have, at- have attained. I want to talk about Paul's obsession this morning. Why it's so important, what he's looking for from us. How is it that he pursues this? And why? We're going to go back to verse 10, as we ended at verse 9 last week. We're going to go back to verse 10, which I know it looks like it starts right in the middle of a sentence, and and it actually goes all the way back to verses 7 and 8. Because Paul kind of starts off by saying, I consider all these things a loss that I might gain Christ. And then he goes off onto this other thing for a moment, but then comes back to his thoughts. I've considered all of this a loss that, verse 10, I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That is Paul's obsession. And when he says the power of his resurrection, that is another way of saying, I too want to be resurrected. I want to know the power that raised Christ. I Want to experience that. He goes on, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, there's his obsession, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead, including I will share his sufferings and I will die like him. Whatever it takes. I want to know the resurrection from the dead. So much so that anything I need to do, whatever it takes, what is the resurrection from the dead? And why is Paul, why would he say, I I will do anything? I, I will suffer with him. I will die with him. I will consider all this a loss, all these great things, all of that's a loss. I don't care. As long as I can attain the resurrection from the dead. What is that? All right, some theology this morning. Here are some things that it is not, right? It is not dying and living forever in heaven. That is not the resurrection, right? One of the things you need to know is that when you die, if we understand scripture correctly, you will be with Christ. Amen to that, but you are not going to stay as a disembodied spirit eternally in whatever heaven is. Because there is a resurrection. Another thing it is not. You do not become an angel when you die. There's that thing out there that you die and you, become, you do not become an angel when you die. Right? Something else that is not. Talk about obsessions. Our culture... Although not as much as it was, but it's still there, was obsessed with zombies. (laughs) Just think about all the movies and books and, you know, that's not resurrection. That's not what you're coming back as. You do not become a brain sucker. You do not hold your hands out and walk. It's not what it is. It's not the resurrection. When we are raised, we will be completely renewed. What we have right now, is your body breaking down a little bit? (laughs) Some more than others? Um, Anybody feel a little sick this morning? Uh, Tired? uh, Stressed out? Um, All of this stuff. These physical things will be completely redone in the resurrection. I want you to think for a moment about a heart transplant. There's a little boy named Walker Ballard who last week, two years old, he got a heart transplant. You get a heart transplant because your heart is defective in some way. It's diseased, it's not working, it's not all there. And, and what we do is they, they take out that defective heart and they put a healthy one in. And you get the benefit of this healthy heart that your body didn't know before. The problem being, and they estimate 15 years, he will need another one. And the one after that, that next heart, they estimate will last no more than 10 years and they'll need another one. And throughout all of his life, he's going to have to take drugs. Now, there is a little tiny snapshot of the resurrection in that a defective heart that was, would have killed him is removed. And a healthy one is put in, a new heart. Except in the resurrection, it's everything. Your entire body is renewed. And it will never pass away. There's no renewal It's not like a 15-year thing, a 10-year thing, a 100-year thing. It is for the rest of what we know forever. That is the resurrection. And in the resurrection, the earth will be renewed. We will live on a renewed earth. I read this blog, this lady who's a journalist, and she is passing away from brain cancer. And she's writing and writing and writing, continues to write, And one of the last entries she has is she says, I don't know what's gonna happen when I die, but I hope that in that next life there's purpose. I hope there's things to do. I hope like we get a job again or something. Like I don't wanna just like die and not have anything. We are not going to die and then go sit on clouds and play harps. That's not eternity. We're going to get a renewed world that we exist on, and we are going to be renewed without pain or sickness forever. That's our life. You know, think about the most beautiful thing you've seen in nature, that it would never go away, and that there would be even more beauty, and it would be everywhere, and you would get to always enjoy it. That—that's—that's that's the resurrection. That's what Paul's looking for. It's what all of the Jews were looking for, the resurrection from the dead, the renewal of all things. And he just says, that's what I want. How does that sound to you? Does that sound all right? Keep going with me. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, It's not there yet. I'm still struggling. I got a ways to go. I'm on a a path. I still mess up, says Paul. I'm still getting sickness. I'm still gonna die unless Jesus comes back. I'm not perfect yet. I'm still on this path. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus, um, I wanna challenge you or encourage you or educate you any of those things, take whatever fits you best, that every time you see the word Christ as you are reading, I want you to substitute the word king. Christ is not either his first name or his last name. It is a title. It means Messiah. And when they thought of Messiah, this was a kingly figure who would take David's throne eternally. This is the king. The king has taken a hold of me. He has made me his own. And so I'm looking forward to what he has. And here's the awesome thing about Christ. Hey, way off in the future, if I'm on a timeline, way off in the future somewhere is the resurrection. The Jews believed it. Christians believed it. The resurrection was here. It was going to happen. Jesus, back here in time made it happen for himself he brought the future right in the middle of the present and he rose he experienced what all of us will experience there as a way of saying look it is here truly this is real like i came back to life in a resurrected body as all of you will and i'm showing you its validity It's going to happen to you there, but it's already happened. And Paul says, I am looking forward to that. Here's how much he's looking forward to it. Lost my Bible. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, forgetting what lies behind. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is an athletic image. Imagine you are running a race, and no matter how long that race is, at some point there's a finish line. Paul says in this image, I can see it. I can see that finish line. Now, if you're a runner and you see the finish line, what's the worst thing you can do? Take your eyes off that line. I mean, stop, that'd be even worse. But like, take your eyes off there, look this way, because what happens when you do that? You slow down. Your body moves a little bit with you. You're not like an owl where you just move your head around and nothing else is affected. And so as you move, it it takes you off course. And then the person next to you gets a little more ahead of you. But no, he says, there's the finish line, and I've got my eyes right there, and I'm not gonna remove them. Forgetting what lies behind. Now just think about this for Paul. There are some things back there. Okay, there are some really, really positive things. He just named them in the beginning of chapter three. That that he was a Hebrew. That he was circumcised, that he was part of the covenant, that, that he knows the Old Testament, that he followed all the, he had some very positive things. And then there were some also some really negative things. He persecuted the church of God. Could you imagine if you thought you were serving God, you were doing these radical, radical things for him, and one day Jesus himself showed up in your living room and said, what are you doing? Because that's what happens to Paul. Jesus shows up to him and says, why are you persecuting me? I mean, talk about ha! Oh. and you wonder why Paul at one point says, I'm the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church of Christ, and I did it in the name of Yahweh. That's messed up. So he has got some really good things And he has got some really messed up things in his life. And I guarantee you that Paul, no matter how much he loved Jesus, still sinned. And yet he says, I'm going to forget about everything that's in the past. And I'm going to move forward. Now, forgetting doesn't mean we don't learn from it. Don't hear me like say, I'll just pretend it never happened. We need to learn from our past but we cannot get trapped in our past. Paul does not allow the guilt over here or the success over here to remove his eyes from where he's going. Can I ask you, what is holding you back? What's keeping you from fully investing yourself? In this forward movement of Christ, what are the things that are pulling on you? The good or the bad? What guilt is trying to keep you back? What success is making you think, I kind of arrived. I'm good with where I am. Paul's obsession is, I'm not going to let any of that hold me back. I'm going to keep moving forward Toward what Christ has for me. Why? I should just go forward. It's part of the message. Verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul is recognizing that as I'm on this journey... I've got people over here. I've got people over here. I'm trying to keep my eyes here. I've got people up in front. I've got people all around. I'm going to notice them. He says, notice the right ones. For many of whom I have told, often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul's tears may be because these are people that started following and then turned away, and he hurts for them. Or his tears may simply be that there is anybody who would not be following or who would be turning others away. But, but it, it hurts him that this is happening. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. That is a harsh verse. They are driven by their passions, their earthly desires. They are moved by those things that would satisfy their flesh, that would give them some sense of joy just right now, right here, with nothing, no thought toward the future, no thought towards eternity, no thought towards resurrection. And the irony is that they actually glory, exalt, boast in those shameful things, those things that are turning them from God instead of to Him. That's their glory. But, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we're back to that same image of resurrection who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Remember, right in the middle of time, the future came where Christ is resurrected. And that's the same body that we will get by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. All right, we need to spend a few moments here on citizenship. Um, Philippi, where this letter is written to. This is a Roman colony. A colony, depending on what your historical background is, may have positives, negatives. There's connotations to this word, of colony. But this is a Roman colony founded in 42 B.C. After Caesar is defeated, we've got to figure out what to do with all these soldiers. There's tons of them left. And we can't just take them all back to the capital. It'll overwhelm Rome. So instead, they form a colony in Philippi for all of these ex-soldiers to go live in. Now, think about who these soldiers are. They have fought for Rome. They've given lives. They've seen friends die for Rome. And they are now a Roman colony. They get to be like Rome. And you know what they did in Philippi? They tried to create a mini Rome. And other soldiers from other battles over time would come and they would settle in Philippi. Now, if you talk to somebody in Philippi, they would never say, oh, we can't wait to go back to Rome. Because they were never going back to Rome. Rather, they were bringing Rome to Philippi. They were creating a place where the rule of Rome, The way of life of Rome was present in this colony. And you know what would happen if they were under siege and they were going to be attacked? They wouldn't all flee to Rome. They would cry out for a savior. And the Roman emperor was called the savior. For the savior to come and to save them. To come to Philippi and rescue them. Do you want to know where Paul is getting all of this imagery from? That a savior that we await from heaven will come and will transform, will rescue us and transform these lowly bodies. But when he says our citizenship is in heaven, he doesn't mean, oh, I just can't wait for all of us to get to heaven finally. What he means is we are to bring heaven to earth. Think of the Lord's Prayer Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is what it means to be a citizen of heaven. That you and I are not looking forward to going to heaven. We are bringing the rule and reign, the peace, the beauty to earth. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, wherever we live, whatever our job is, whatever our relationships are, that being a citizen of heaven means I walk into a relationship and I bring heaven with me into that relationship, and I act in such a way that I'm representing heaven. You know, those people living in Philippi, they were excited to be Romans. They wanted to be Romans. They wanted everything around them to be Roman-like. We can be excited about being citizens of heaven as we bring it to the earth. If you go into my daughter's room, she has this one little shelf um, on her desk. It has these shelves on the side of the desk, and there's one little shelf on the desk. And it has all of these trinkets, and they're from all these places that we've traveled You know, she's got some shells from a beach. She's got a little pottery from Mexico. She's got stuff I brought back from Israel when we went to Israel for her. And they're all on this little shelf. They're trinkets. Sometimes what I feel like is I do nothing more than bring trinkets from heaven. You walk into my daughter's room, you are not going to go, oh man, Israel! I mean, you could look at a little tiny shelf and you'll see some coins and you'll go, oh, hey, is that a, yeah, those are Israeli coins. Or look at that seashell. Wow, this is just like the beach. You're never going to do that. But that's actually what we're called to. That is citizenship in heaven. That, that our lives, are not just trinkets that are like, oh, yeah, there's this place. No, it's we're bringing that place here. Now, um, there's a, a really, really good scholar that has written a number of things on this. And he, he's a history and Greek scholar. And, and he's writing about some of this history and talking about how profound it is and how Philippi, I mean, as they read this, they would have completely gotten it. I mean, it would have just been like, oh, we know what this means. As opposed to today where You hear this and you think, okay, I can't wait to get to heaven. It's kind of written into some of our culture. And and he said, and he's describing all this, but he gets to the end and he goes, what I acknowledge is that we fail at this all the time. And he says, even understanding what it means, I still fail to bring heaven to earth over and over again. I think I failed this weekend in a particular relationship that I have, that I, I did not represent heaven in this relationship. There was no rule and reign of God going on that directed my words, my thoughts, um, the way I handled a situation. No, I was directing that. Uh, my own bitterness... Um, Anger, frustration, all of those things. That was what was directing that. The peace and the love that is there we're to bring here. That's our citizenship. And that is, by the way, how we pursue that goal. You see, we've got between here and we'll just say right there is the line but I don't know how much time it's going to take to get to that line. Christ could come back before the end of this service or you could die of old age. What do we do between now and then? How do we focus on that? By forgetting what is behind and by bringing heaven to earth in whatever sphere I am in. That's how we do it. Getting what lies behind and bringing heaven to earth in my relationships, in my job, in my schooling, in my family, whatever it is. As you think about obsessions, there is one that is just, I mean, it's like wildfire going across America right now. Um, In fact, it is almost, or it it maybe has, because this was two days ago when I read this. It may have already taken over. Like, it is more popular than Twitter. More people doing it than are tweeting. I mean, it's that big. And you think it came out in July. I mean, this is, it just... (laughs) Pokemon Go. Now, I'm apparently getting older, because I don't even know what it is. Um, I had to go research to figure out even what it was. All I know is, like, I'm reading articles. I read an article of a guy who, trying to get one of these, ran his car into a parked police car <laughs> of all the people you could have hit. But he was looking for his Pokemon, and he smashed into a police car. I mean, I'm, just, I'm reading all these stories of what people are going through. Now, there actually is some positive... Um, there was a guy that, I read a story last night, he got all 142 of them, like the first guy to say, I've got them all. Um, but he is also, since he started doing this, he is walking over eight miles a day. And, and apparently the creators, that at least some part of it was, how do we get people outdoors doing things? And if you don't know what it is, if I had my cell phone, can I use your cell phone for a minute? Um, You are searching for these little Pokemon figures, creatures, things. I'm old. Um, And you do it through the camera on your phone. It uses technology called augmented reality. And here's what's happening. I'm actually using my camera, and I could see all of you as you are through my camera, but when I look through here, that augmented reality will show a Pokemon figure on Chris's shoulder. You can only see it if you're looking through here, but I'm looking at actual things. I mean, this is like real life, but I'm seeing this little figure that nobody else is seeing, which I, I think that's kind of what an obsession is. I mean, you're seeing something that not everybody else is seeing. I mean, I've, I've just got, I've got to run five miles a day. I just absolutely have to. And I get grumpy if I don't. And I, like, and I look at that person and go, you are weird. <laughs> I'm obsessed about things, but it's not running five miles a day. I probably should be, but I'm not. And, and that's what happens. Whatever your obsession is, it's like you have your own little augmented reality, and you're, just, you're seeing things that not everybody else is seeing. And Paul says, I want you to all look through my lens. Every one of you, I want you to look through my lens. I don't care what your lens is right now. I want you to just drop that. I want you to look through mine because I want you to see the finish line. I want you to see that we're actually moving towards something that is real, that is more magnificent and glorious than anything you can experience here. It will take all of your pain away. It will take the most beautiful thing that you have now and amplify it. And I want you to see that that image. I want you to see that finish line and move toward it. Don't let anything slow you down. Forget what is behind and move forward by bringing heaven to earth and letting this be a place where God's rule and reign is seen through your life through our life as the church. That's what we're called to. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, that he would burst into history, ripping open time, and come right into the present to live to die, and to be raised to life for us, that we might have eternal life in him. Lord, help us to long for, build a desire in us to long for the resurrection, for the fulfillment of all things, for the fulfillment of your calling in our lives to spend all of eternity with you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to just end with this verse. Now, go ahead and go wherever you're going. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. That's his exhortation.